Here we go. We are listening to Law and Gospel Rumination Tuesday on this November the 8th in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Pastor Mark Smith. We're taking a look at the hymn, The Day is Surely Drawing Near. Around 1565, an anonymous German hymn on the later judgment was published. This was really from the medieval mass for the dead, the day of wrath that day. It had 19 stanzas and ended with a tearful plea that the guilty might be spared because of Christ's suffering on the cross. In fact, it was an anonymous hymn and was the second of two published together in a pamphlet. The first was a 25 stanza tale of woe about girls who spend so much money on nice clothes that they impoverish their families and who reject suitors for frivolous reasons. When they finally marry, they lead miserable lives. The second paraphrases the day of wrath, but with a stronger focus on the actions of Christ. Well, Lutheran pastor Bartholomew Ringwald, he lived 1531 to 1599, evidently felt that the German hymn did not have quite the right emphasis. So he published a revised version in 1586. It was a hymn on the last days, and it was a tune approved and improved by Barthel Ringwald. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. The day is surely drawing near. And in the hymnal that we use, it's got seven stanzas. So we don't want to spend too much time in waiting to get it done. So let's start with Pastor Smith. The day is surely drawing near. Is that talking about the elections for today? No, this is talking about the day. This is the the last day. In fact, this is in the uh, end time sections of the hymnal. Yes. And that's because the reading, we had two Sundays, Reformation and All Saints Day, which were special. But now we're back to the Pentecost days, and this is the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost. And the readings are about the end times. In fact, the gospel is a lengthy reading from Luke 21 by Jesus about the signs of the end times. So for some people today, the day is surely drawing near and they're gonna be very interested in the elections to see what direction the country will be moving into. And so we pray that they will have elections voting for those who best support God's holy word in its morality 
and its way of dealing with people. But as you said, this hymn is really about the last day. So, would you read the first stanza? Okay, gladly. The day is surely drawing near when Jesus, God's anointed, in all his power shall appear as judge whom God appointed. Then fright shall banish idle mirth, and flames on flames shall ravage earth, as Scripture long has warned us. Well, that's interesting that the earth is going to be kind of destroyed, and a new heaven and earth is going to be taking place. But at first answer, there's not much comfort in it, is there? No, it's, uh, I mean, for for those of us Christians that, that trust in our Lord and, you know, we can uh, lift up our heads and look forward to uh, his, his reappearing uh, as long as we're in the faith. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a warning. Yes, this phrase, then fright shall banish idle mirth. What does that mean? Idle mirth would be like uh, old laughter, um, not necessarily with, to any purpose. Um, idle mirth. Mirth is laughter or uh, gaiety. Yes. That kind of thing. And it's idle because it isn't focused on the joy of Christ, who is mentioned as judge whom God appointed. Right. You know, I think a lot of people think that God the Father is going to be the judge. But no, it's God the Son. God the Son, and he's also our advocate. Well, that's, you know, that's good news. What does that mean? Well, he's he's our uh, defendant. Uh, he's he's the judge, but he's also, he speaks in our behalf. Yes. There'll be and no condemn. There, there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. We've got. I, I really have problems in understanding God. That the more I read the Bible, uh, the more confused I get. I don't think God can be understood because there are so many passages in the Bible. You know, there are people who think that you can lead people to faith by means of human reason. Well, no. I, I totally disagree with that. No, it's got to uh, be the Holy Spirit. That's right. For example, in the book of Revelation, talking about the final day from last week, it says there will be no more weeping or sadness. Now, when you stop to think about that, boy, that's really hard to understand. Because when you're in heaven, will you not know who's not in heaven? There'll be no tears. There will be no tears at all. Um, well, my question so I, was, will you not know who's not in heaven? Well, the, the, the former things are passed away. I, I, uh, all I can say is there'll be no, if, if you know, uh, let's see, uh, what was it? Uh, there was a professor that uh, 
that if my one of my children is not in heaven, I will still be uh, grateful and, and 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 joyous. I mean, that's hard to imagine. It is hard to understand. But yes. would you want a God? Would you want a God whom you can fully comprehend? No. That's really a good point you're making. That when we explain God, there is much in the Bible that is totally unreasonable. I, I can't imagine, let's say your wife isn't in heaven or one of your children, how you will have perfect bliss is really hard to understand. Some people say that when you get to heaven, you won't remember who the people were on earth. But there's no Bible passage to back that up. No, no. So I remember you telling I remember you telling a story, Tom. I think of uh, Professor Robert Preuss in a class where he said, uh, "When uh, when I get to heaven, I'll be immensely immensely happy." Yes. And uh, if 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 I'm if I miss a loved one that's not up there, I'll still be immensely happy. Yes. That's something we just simply cannot understand. That's why we talk about believing by faith. Right. God gives a promise that we're going to be in full bliss. We can't understand how that's going to be, but no. we still believe it. So we that's believe right. things that are really quite ridiculous from a human point of view. But that's what's going to be heaven-like. So I'll read verse 2. The final trumpet then shall sound, and all the earth be shaken, and all who rest beneath the ground shall from their sleep awaken. But all who live will in that hour by God's almighty boundless power, be changed at his commanding. So that's talking about two kinds of individuals. The first are those who have already died, and the second are those who are still living on the right. day of judgment. And what's the difference? Well, the, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we... We who are alive and remain will will all be changed. Yes. I, I really like the way it's put that we're really from their sleep awakened. That yes. Those who are in the ground or however they died, they're really asleep. Asleep in Jesus. Their spirit is with Jesus. Right. But their body is at rest. And that's another hard thing to understand. And yet, when we're at a funeral, how many times have you had the people realize that the body in the coffin, that that person is in heaven right now in the spirit? That's right. It doesn't seem to make any sense at all because you see the body. Yeah. But... A lot of times, what what does R.I.P. mean on a gravestone? Rest in, rest in peace. Yes. And it's a rest, it's sleep, 
we don't have much information about the interim. That is the time between when you die and the time when your body is raised from the dead. But there's no doubt that when do you really get involved with those individuals who are in the spirit? It's something in the liturgy. When do you get involved with those who who are in the spirit? I'll give you a hint. With angels. And archangels and all the company of heaven. Exactly. We laud and magnify thy glorious name. So, uh, I suppose I suppose in worship. Yes. In the Lord's Supper, you're in communion with those in the Spirit in heaven. That's right. Stanza three, please. The books are open then to all, a record truly telling what each has done, both great and small, when he on earth was dwelling. And every heart be clearly seen, and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. Now, I have a little problem with that stanza. I am trying to think of a Bible verse that backs up that you're going to know your record on the day of judgment. Can you think of any verses? Well, let's see. There's a passage uh, that talks about the, the book shall be opened. Isn't isn't that? Am I right? But are there is cer- there's certainly the book of life. Yes, but that's talking about the names that are in there who are saved. I, I don't remember it talking about that all of your works are going to be made known. No, in fact. There'll be, we know this. The thing that I always cling to is there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, people will ask me, will all of my sins, all my mistakes be paraded out before all? I always tell them, there is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. We will be covered with Christ's righteousness. Yes, and, and so that's where I have a little problem with the phrase, and all be known as they have been in thoughts and words and actions. The only thing I can probably figure out is there is a passage where Jesus talks about the way they have been, and that is the parable of the sheep of the goats. Would that be talking then about uh, the goats alone? No, it would be talking about both. But for the sheep, Jesus would be talking about their wonderful good works, which are fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing mentioned in Matthew 25 to the sheep about their sins, but there certainly is about the goats. So that's the verse that I would use to give substance to this stanza, which would be your point that even though you hear about what has happened when you were on earth, for the sheep, it's a surprise that God is only talking about fruit of the Holy Spirit, whereas for the goats, they may do the same works, but they don't have proper motivation. Okay, stanza four. 
Then woe to those who scorned the Lord and sought but carnal pleasure, who here despise his precious word and love their earthly treasures. With shame and trembling they will stand and at the judgment's stern command to Satan be delivered. Now that's talking about the goats, right? Right. Yes, definitely. Those now, who scorned the Lord. I made a comment in the sermon Sunday about this, and I had a member of the congregation, in fact, I had a few of them come up with questions. Uh, we were talking about heaven. And the comment I made, I wonder if you would agree with me, that those who are in hell would prefer to be in hell than to be with Jesus. Oh, I don't know. I think part of I think part of hell's suffering is the terrible regret. The terrible regret that those in hell have. Don't you think, Tom? Don't you think they've got to have some terrible regret? In, in, All right. In, in, Let me ask you this question. Okay. Would that apply to the devil? Would that apply to the devil? No, I think not. No, it would not. And you see, those who are going to hell are part of the kingdom of the devil. They have right. his thoughts. And he doesn't want to be in the kingdom of Christ. He had the opportunity when he was alive on earth. And, of course, he rejected Christ, as did his followers. So I think part of hell is realizing that Jesus is the one who is the Redeemer, but still having the kind of understanding that they don't want to be saved by him because of their hatred to Jesus. I don't think going to hell is going to change their hatred to love. Yeah, I have to, I'd have to, I've never really pondered that question. I know. I have to think on that a little bit more. Yep. Um, but if you take a look at it, the evil angels had the opportunity. They, they knew Jesus was crucified. They heard his message and they rejected it. And now let I me ask you this, Tom. Judgment I, Day would make a difference. Uh, I seem to remember a passage saying that, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. Right. Uh, distinguishing between it wasn't really specifically created for unbelievers. Does that have any bearing on the question? That's talking about when was that created, hell? Hell? When was hell yeah. created? Yes. I would say... I would say at the beginning. Yes, because who did you have in the Garden of Eden? You had Adam and Eve. And? And also uh, Satan, was, yes. Satan was cast down to earth. Right. And his area is hell. And so he is separated from God the Father. In fact, Jesus even mentioned that in his preaching, how the devil is no longer in heaven 
accusing the saints day and night. He still wants to accuse the saints, and he does, but we don't have to listen to him because of the message of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't think anyone in hell is going to want to still be in heaven because that would have a change of attitude and they would therefore have faith. And there's no passage in the entire Bible that indicates that when you go to hell, you suddenly receive faith from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's out of the question, right? So that's why I say they would prefer not to be in heaven with Jesus because of their hatred to him. And that's obvious here on earth as many Christians are being persecuted for Christ's sake. And that's because the people persecuting them are really those in the kingdom of Satan. That's why infant baptism is so important because right. it takes a child from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. That's right. Stanza five, please. My Savior paid the debt I owe, and for my sin was smitten. Within the book of life, I know my name has now been written. I will not doubt, for I am free, and Satan cannot threaten me. There is no condemnation. That's exactly what you were saying earlier. Yeah, that's right. You notice, that's... when the book of life is mentioned... There's nothing about our sins in it, but our name is in it. Right, right. And so that's how I understand the Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. That the sheep hear the wonderful works that they can't even remember they did. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you spontaneously do these good works without realizing how different they are from the motivation of an unbeliever. All right, I'll read six. May Christ our intercessor be, and through his blood and merit, read from his book that we are free with all who life inherit. Then we shall see him face to face with all his saints in that blessed place which he has purchased for us. Now, that was talked about in last week's gospel, namely that because of his crucifixion, we will be with him in heaven and see him face to face. That's Why right. is that important? That's the, what we call the beatific vision. We will see, see God as he is, see our Lord as he is. Why is that important? Yes. Well, because because we we want to be where he, he is. Uh, we don't know everything about the as you said the interim state between death and the resurrection. But if Jesus is there, that's good enough for me. Well said. Yeah. In our newsletter that is handed out every Sunday, they have a little comic with sheep, and the one sheep says to the other. Um, where will we be going after we die? And the other sheep says, we'll be with Jesus. And he said, yes, but I want to know where that is. And the other sheep says, with 
Jesus. Yeah. That's all that's necessary. That's right. That's right. All right. Stanza seven, please. Oh, Jesus Christ, do not delay, but hasten our salvation. We often tremble on our way in fear and tribulation. Oh, hear and grant our fervent plea. Come, mighty judge, and set us free from death and every evil. Jesus says to the Pharisees that you will be free. They say, what are you talking about? We have Abraham as our father. What, what freedom are you talking about? We've but never been a slave. To, we've never been a slave to anybody. They said yes. Exactly. So, what's the freedom according to verse seven? Well, we're free. We're free from uh, Satan, sin, and death. Yes, from death and every evil. And every that's evil. How, yes, and that's really hard to believe. Also, in heaven, that we won't even have evil thought. We won't be jealous of anyone, and we won't be speaking out against anyone. That's really hard to believe. No did, more tears. Did human beings ever have that experience? Not this side of heaven, I don't think. Well, I'm trying to think. Uh, I would say not this side of heaven. We still have, we still have our old Adam that reminds us of our fears. Okay, I asked any human being, and I'm thinking of Adam and Eve. Oh, yes. Yeah, prior to the fall. Right. Prior to the fall, they had that experience. In fact, that's why we ought not be surprised when in the book of Revelation, the heaven is described much like the Garden of Eden. Right. It's a return to that bliss which they had. Eden but, restored. Yes, that's well said. So that this is a wonderful hymn. Are you going to be using it Sunday? Yes, uh, but our final verse, we're going to sing the first five verses. Okay. All righty. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Smith. I'm Tom Baker. The day is surely drawing near, talking about Judgment Day. And we have you in our prayers on this election day also, that you will be electing proper people. In God's name, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.